This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. Hello and welcome to episode 177 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Alga. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we bring you interviews with working actors, writers, filmmakers, agents, managers, producers, casting directors, personal finance and fitness gurus, voiceover artists, and more. All of them serving up insider tips on marketing yourself, creating your own work, and booking the gig. It's knowledge bombs for everyone involved, straight from the people who've been there, done that, and are doing it again. And we are just two dudes who, uh, with, with a podcast, who, uh, you know, are doing whatever it takes to get this podcast out to you. And we'll talk more about that later. But we started it originally because we were looking for, you know, some, some answers, some insight into the industry. And most people in this business want you to pay for that. So we were like, hmm, is there an end around? Yes, there is. It's called a podcast called Inside Acting. And we made it free. For everyone, because the internet is a beautiful place to get information. And while all success stories are built on a common foundation, you know, there's no one right way or wrong way to do anything. So if you hear something in this episode or any episode with which you agree or disagree, we want to hear from you. Send us an email, shoot us a tweet, comment on our website, leave us a voicemail. They all go to the same place, meaning us. You can find out all the different ways you can do, get your, your voice on the show by starting at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And a bit later on today's episode, we have part two of my chat with filmmaking team David Hamilton and Brita Kelly. So stick around. So, despite what it may sound like, Trevor is not living in a can. Um, we just, you know, have been doing whatever it takes to bring you this podcast, as I mentioned in the intro. And, you know, sometimes uh, the internet is not our friend. <laughs> What's going on in your world this week, dude? Uh, you said something here about concerts? Uh, concerts, yeah. So... Basically, I'm back in New York, and being that I am here, and people like to put on concerts to, um, you know, showcase their music or something that they're working on, something that they're writing, I've been invited to uh, do a couple more of those concerts. This will be like my, <clears throat> I want to say maybe my fourth and fifth, fifth and sixth concert since I've been in, in New York, and um this one will be at the same one that I did my first two at, which is uh, the Lori Beachman Theater, um, and it's uh, Saturday, so by the time this episode goes live, it will be over, but um, yeah, it's just a buddy of mine from UCLA who I happened to run into at a party uh, at another friend from UCLA's uh, apartment who is uh, composing his own original stuff, so he invited oh, me cool, to, man. To, to sing with them. And, um, so you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're in this, then. and it's, it's, uh, it's a bunch of music that this guy wrote. Is it musical theater based, or is it just straight up music? Yes, it is musical theater based. He is cool. working on a '80s rock musical version of Moby Dick, as well <laughs> as, as well as it, it is. It is about as ridiculous as you would think, as oh well God. as. <laughs> as well as a rock musical uh, that is basically Aida set in space. What? what? Yeah, I don't know. He's dude. Points for originality, right? Holy shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, he's a he's a cool dude from Texas. Cool guy. I like him. Anyway, that's awesome. So that's 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 coming up. 
Um, and then I'm uh, wow. I'm headed back to LA again uh, in a few weeks here, which is going to be yeah. really fun. And is it what is that for again? I'm teaching my digital actor workshop at USC again, um, awesome. and m- working on getting auditions and whatnot with my representation while I'm out there. So. Cool. So just to, I kind of want to play devil's advocate and ask this. The, I know that they pay you a little bit of money, I think, for your digital actor workshop at USC, but is it, is, I guess, hmm, let me think of how to phrase this. Is it worth it for you to spend the money to fly back here just for that? Or are you going to book the flight and then make it worth it? Um, great question. So the class itself will pay for, I, we still don't know if Jasmine's coming with me. But the flight itself, or the, the, the class itself, would be enough to pay for both of our flights. Awesome. Um, if I go by myself, then basically I'm making, uh, you know, uh, what is it, time again, right? Like I'm making enough to pay for my fight and then some. Um, gotcha. And then, of course, I'll be doing the same thing I did over the holidays, which is, you know, um, working with my clients and stuff like that. I've already had a couple of them say, like, oh, this has come up since you left, and blah, blah, blah. And they all know that I'm coming back, so I know I'll be able to book in with a few of them as well while I'm back. Great. Great. Right on. Yeah. So, once again, by Coastal Proof of Concept. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. And how's it going with your uh, tribal job? It's going, it's going well. Are you talking about Apple specifically? I, I guess. I mean, you were working at a, <clears throat> wired, at a Wired magazine, like newsstand kind of thing for a while. Yeah, that's, that's over. And done, and okay. done with, yeah. Um, and uh, the the w- regarding the um, the catering gig, it's really slow. It's a really slow time of year, so there's not really anything going on there. So it's going well at Apple, although you know, living in New York, being a part-time retail employee certainly is not enough money to actually, you know, s- make it work. Um, so Jasmine and I are working on some other things and, and, um, we'd really like to get like some kind of dropship company started this year, but the, but she is, uh, going to some classes and, and working towards, you know, getting, um, some more lucrative paying, paying gigs and, uh, the trips back to LA have been really helpful as far as all that goes. Right on. You said dropship company. What, what does that mean exactly? I've never heard that before. So it's kind of what um, Tim Ferriss talks about in the Four Hour Work Week uh, a, a little bit. Like, you know, he talks about it in terms of like finding your muse. Um, but basically, like, if you can create something, and when you say when you say dropship, you are actually talking about a physical product. So we're trying to figure out if there's something that we can create. Uh, and you, you actually, you create whatever that product is, but then someone else does the manufacturing and the shipping. So you take a huge, you take a huge cut in the profit, but you don't have to do anything. You just, you just manage the actual business side of things. And then, you know, everything else is sort of taken care of. And we have a commitment to, to, to get something like that launched this year. So by the, by the end of the year, it's in our, um, our, our goals for the year. That is awesome, man. I love that. Right on. Yeah. So that's more like looking into the future. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cool, man. Yeah. So 2015 is off to a pretty kick-ass start. I have worked out, uh, I think every day, but three since we've been back in New York, which is, feels great. And I know you, I just saw you post online the other day that you've got 17 under your belt already. And it's only uh, uh, almost uh, fifteen as of this morning. Oh, fifteen. 15 okay, got so it. So far, yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's only that's like you've only missed six days out of the entirety of twenty fifteen. That's pretty stellar. I know it's early. Yeah. On. I know it's early on, but um, I mean, I bet I bet anything you're on track to hit that three hundred plus mark again. Well, you know, it's it's part of it's just a ritual that I have. That I, it's a routine now that I built that's, that's pretty automatic. So like the workouts just kind of happen. I don't even really think about it anymore. And um, so it's really, it doesn't feel like that big of an accomplishment. It's just, it's just part of my day. It's like eating breakfast. 
so I, I'm I'm really kind of pleased to be at that place, and I've been thinking about putting together a resource of some kind for anybody else interested in building a routine like this. Uh, I've learned from a couple different resources uh, how to do this, and I've kind of learned, you know, by doing it what works and what doesn't, at least for me. So I don't know if people are interested in that. I, you know, if they want to write to the podcast or post in the Facebook group or something, maybe maybe it's something we can put together and and uh, offer to yeah. uh, to people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I think it's, I, I, I just want to add one, you know, little thing to that, which is that, um, I think it was Ben that said it while we were home. Maybe, I don't think he said it actually while we were recording the, 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 the actor round table. I think he may have said it during the masterminds meeting, but the idea of taking that discipline and then applying it to other areas. Do you remember, mm-hmm. you remember him saying? Yeah. That? Yeah. I think that is really really not not only important but could potentially set you up to accomplish literally anything yeah uh, you know it's it's funny that you mentioned that because i just started reading this book called the slight edge by a guy named jeff olson and it's kind of a, a, a modern classic uh in like the you know personal development world but it's really when i first started reading it, i thought you know this is a lot of fluff this book could be a lot shorter. It's kind of uh, something that was just recommended to me, but I'm really getting into it now. And it's all about everything that I've kind of been sort of unconsciously putting into place over the past year. It's probably going to be my pick of the week next week. I'm, I'm about halfway through it right now. But, awesome. Um, it's very much exactly what you said, like just taking that discipline and applying it to other areas once it's kind of in place in one area of your life. Yeah, I, I've heard of that book, but um, I didn't realize that that was the main thrust of it yeah it's great it's great the main the main thrust is basically all the little things that we do in life are what matter and so make sure that those little things are deliberate and moving you in the right direction Hmm. Um, that's that's like that's the whole book right there basically but just kind of all the different kind of ways and context that gets reined in uh, or what make it really inspiring but that we'll talk more about that next week when it's my pick of the week i just want to mention one quick thing uh from episode 172 and i was talking about the the sony hack and how uh you know it 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 was sort of revealed um their their sort of lack of artistic merit you know they, they were doing so much for just for the profit of it and then you came on and you played devil's advocate by saying that you thought that the studio system just acted like a big bank and they're just there to kind of fund the 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 projects, right? They they're just there to kind of like distribute the money. And I yeah, more or less, yeah. I wanted to uh, counter devil's advocate to just <laughs> what you said. I just uh, I I think it's an interesting uh, point of conversation, especially with. Um, the DIY movement and, uh, you know, uh, Amazon winning two Golden Globes. I think that is a huge, like, this is something we, we really get to, you know, pay attention to and um, and discuss, especially on a show like this. So what I was going to say is, um, while I think that you are accurate in the way in which the, um, the studios bankroll the projects, um, what I was going to add is that that also means that they're the ones green lighting things. And so they have, and, and I know this for a fact, because I know people who have done coverage on scripts at, at, at studios, they have tons, tons, bookshelves, shelves after shelves after shelves of projects, of scripts that just sit there for years and either get made, you know, years and years and years later or never get made at all, which is more often the case um and so it, it it's up to the this the decision makers at these studios to actually be the ones to pull the trigger and they can either take chances on you know either an unknown director or an unknown writer an unknown commodity or a sort of avant-garde type film or a more indie film style film or they can make alvin and the chipmunks three <laughs> Right. You know, right. and well, wasn't that wasn't that, that whole remember that Kevin Spacey, that speech that Kevin Spacey did a year ago or so? At the uh, uh Edinburgh te- uh, film and television. Uh, yeah, it was he festival? basically said what 
he basically said what you just said. It was the same exact thing. It was like, we need to stop making Alvin and the Chipmunks 3 and start taking chances on up-and-coming people that are, quote-unquote, unproven or untested. Right. Because that's, that's, that's the only way that this industry moves forward. Otherwise, we keep rehashing you know, the same old franchise over and over and over again. I think that that, that is exactly what was sort of revealed in that, in the stuff that was leaked mm. from that hack, <clears throat> yeah. in, in, including from their own employees. There was one document that I read that was, that was like uh, sort of camouflage. The, the title of the document was sort of camouflaged. It was like something along the lines of employee comments 2012, but it was basically like a list of employee complaints. Um, <clears throat> and, right. so, and so many of them were like, you know, we need to stop making you know, like, like our, 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 our partnership with Happy Madison is like bringing the studio down and we need to stop making these like Adam Sandler-esque films and like start getting into the, the kinds of things that, you know, these other studios are doing and, and, and blah, blah, blah. So, um, anyway, just, just an interesting conversation. And I think it's, um, I, I don't know what the solution is other than maybe to continue plugging along at what, we're doing and talking about and stuff on this um on this podcast you know it just it just shows that the power is shifting and that there's there's never been a better time to be a creative person um or or a, a writer or an artist of some kind an actor even i mean there's less money in it but you know we if you if we do a throwback all the way back to alan barton's episode god that was like the early 20s or the late 20s like years and years ago alan barton talked about the long tail uh, which right. is a book that I have yet to yet to read, but the idea being that if you look at the graph and it kind of it's like a a line that sort of starts low but then increases up, um, kind of towards the top. Uh, you've got at the top there, you've got a few people making a ton of money. Then you've got all these other people uh, in the quote unquote long tail of that graph making a lot less money, but still making money, still making a, a decent living. And that's the sweet spot. That's where you, what you want to kind of aim for because that's way more attainable. Uh, than than making the you know billions of dollars as a as a Brad Pitt or an Angelina Jolie. Attainable so and probably we, sustainable too. Yeah, and and in 2015, has there ever been a better time? Have we <clears> ever <throat> had more resources and more tools and more ability to jump in to that long tail? Especially when people are still figuring things out. I mean, there's a million ways to monetize things these days. Especially with the prevalence of podcasts over the past year, people are getting more and more used to watching stuff on the web, to getting stuff from the web. There's stuff that you can only get on the web that you now can't get on the networks. And I just think it, I would not want to be alive and be in this industry at any other time in the history of civilization than right now. I'd love to hear from our listeners too. If if you are listening to this and you have uh, you know just some some thoughts on the situation it doesn't have to be fully formed it could be questions it could be comments it could be whatever uh send them our way either post them in the facebook group twitter uh email us or call us you know i i would love to get you know other voices sort of chiming in here and, and seeing what other people think about it We have just a quick announcement about uh, a, a, an exciting kind of media sponsorship partnership, partnership, sponsorship partnership that we uh, uh, yeah. that we've entered into with uh, with Miss in the Biz. This comes from episode, I'm sorry, the Actors Roundtable episode guest uh, Helena Santos. And um, so you guys know Miss in the Biz. I'm sure most people listening to this have heard of it. But if you haven't, it's Miss in I'm sorry, Miss in the Biz. That's yeah, remember Miss in the that's right, yeah. So it's M-S-I-N-T-H-E-B-I-Z.com. And uh, we're very proud to be a media sponsor for the Miz and the Biz book launch party for their very first book, which is titled Thriving in Hollywood, Tenacious Tales and Tactics from Miz and the Biz. The event is co-hosted by Film Break and presented by Dog and Pony with Alliance Partners, the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media, Women in Film, Los Angeles, and the Holly Shorts Film Festival as well as co-media sponsors, Filmmaking Stuff, and The Hollywood Journal. 
So we definitely want to invite everybody listening to this, if you're local to L.A., come on out and celebrate with us at the Valcluse Lounge in Hollywood on Monday, February 9th. That's just a couple weeks away. It'll be from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. There will be drink specials all night long with a door prize draw at 8 o'clock from, an, from in-kind sponsors, including the Headshot Truck, Be Glammed, and Bonnie Gillespie's Self-Management for Actors. There's a lot of good stuff here, and the book is fantastic. We're really excited to partner with uh, Ms. Inhibitors to launch this thing. Admission to this whole shebang is free, but space is very limited and filling up fast. So if you're interested in checking it out, go to MizInTheBiz.com to RSVP right now. You can find that link also on our website in the show notes. We've also posted something on our Facebook group, and there's also something in our email dispatch about this as well. So if you haven't uh, seen it there, just go do it now while you're listening to this podcast. It's going to be awesome. And then uh, we also wanted to just tackle a quick email that we got from a, a listener named Brian. This is a great question that we've never really fielded specifically on the show, but I think that the sort of principles underlying maybe our thoughts are, have been kind of voiced before, but I, I never thought about it in this context. Do you want to kind of just um, share the gist of this, AJ? Yeah, basically, uh, Brian is uh, he, he's from St. Louis, where he's working and playing and, and, and working on his career in a smaller market, but he's been booking films, and, and his first, first feature film, which is called Cronies, He's a supporting actor in the movie, and uh, it got submitted to a bunch of film festivals, and now it's actually going to be featured as part of Sundance, which, by the way, is huge, especially for um, you know your first feature film. That's so awesome, Brian. Congratulations. And also just in general. like it, That's not an easy festival to get into, so that is so cool. And he was basically just wondering if we have any advice on uh, as far as getting... Uh, marketing or marketing yourself rather in a festival atmosphere it's a short 10 days of just film celebration out there and I know there will be a lot of good opportunities for networking but uh, he just wanted to see if we had any knowledge bombs we could drop on the subject and um, I'm pretty dry as far as the knowledge bombs go on this subject in particular we've as Trevor said never been asked this question before but I also don't I mean I've got some ideas but they're not based in any test any reality um, Trev, I know you responded to him via email uh, with a similar answer, but sort of pointing him to some other resources. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, uh, Ace, Ace Marrero, he's a friend of the podcast and a guest on uh, one of our episodes, well, a few of our episodes uh, several dozen ago. But uh, Ace, his wife, I believe now wife, wrote a, a nice little article on surviving Sundance, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. And uh, that'll, the link to that article will be in our show notes. I also sent that off to Brian. But I think the, the most important thing here, and I think this is mentioned in the article, but this is, if it were me, this is what I would do. I would go see as many films that looked interesting to me as possible, and I would make every effort to connect with the filmmakers. I probably would not lead with a business card. I would uh, make sure that I connect with them, see people's work, and then, and then compliment them on that work if I enjoyed it, just tell them you know, that I really loved it. And really just make it all about them. You know, this is like a classic how to win friends and influence people type of stuff. If anybody hasn't read that book by Dale Carnegie, that's a really good primer on just how to win friends and influence people. Um, it's, <laughs> it's really good. And basically the idea just being is make it all about them. Be more interested in the other people than they are with you. And find, you know, those unique things about them that uh, that are interesting, like maybe they love cats. So the next time you come across, a, I don't know, an adorable cat meme on the internet, you can just shoot it their way or something. It's it's funny how you know we we pose as these big, you know, powerful professional industry people, but in, at home we're still like kids. We still like have our favorite ice cream flavors, and we still have our favorite PJs, and we still, you know, like to go hiking. Like there there are things that make us human, and I would really talk to people in that context. And then of course, uh, if, if you don't have a business card, and this is why I say don't leave with a business card, uh, I would get their contact information so I can follow up with them, not just handing out business cards. Cause that, that just seems kind of smart. And then I would, I would have them on hand, but I would make that sort of a, sort of a fallback plan. And it's really focused on getting to know who they are and getting to know about them. 
So I think that that's really the, the most important thing. And of course, you know, if it comes up in conversation, I might let them know that I'm in a film here and that I'm, you know, an actor and what I'm interested in doing next and that kind of thing. And that maybe there's an opportunity to work together, but really more than anything, their work is amazing. It's really exciting to talk to them. I can't wait to be a part of their journey. Is there an email list I can sign up for? Um, you know, would you mind if I asked you a question or two via email in a few weeks? Not that kind of thing. Those are connections that are going to last. Um, so that's, that's the approach that I would take if it were me. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Brian, I would say grab a beer with these people, uh, you know, make best friends. And as far as marketing yourself, you know, exactly what Trevor said. And just make yourself available uh, after your film screens. And maybe, you know, someone will notice your, your good work and want to talk to you. Awesome. Brian, let us know how it goes, dude. It's so freaking cool. It's so exciting. I would love to hear what comes out of it. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy, enjoy Park City. It's uh, probably my favorite place in Utah, for sure. It's a really cool awesome. town. So uh, here we have uh, part two of Trev's interview with David Hamilton and Brina Kelly. Hope you dug part one, and part two is coming at you right now. We'll catch you on the other side. The moving target thing is really kind of interesting because just before we started recording, we were talking, Brina, about producing and yes. how you almost you almost feel like that's the label that most applies to you right now as a sort of creative person. I, I believe so. And it's not one, I have to say, it is not one that I ever thought I would take on. When I started in this industry, uh, or in one very much like it, it's the last thing that I ever thought I would do. Um, I never thought I would direct because that's just not where my sensibilities lie and I never thought I would produce because that is a very different aspect of the uh of the whole process of 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 this field I just continue to find myself in in places and positions where it does feel like if I want to do this I'm really the only one who's gonna get this done like we're we're the ones who are gonna have to get this done because you know, the way it's supposed to work is you're a writer or you're a performer and you take your work and you put it in front of a producer and you say, I think there's something to this. I think this has potential. You should pay for it, essentially, and, and you should make it. That hardly ever works anymore, especially when you're starting out. More often than not, and especially in the world of indie, we have to prove ourselves. Basically, if you want something done, do it yourself. And when I realized that, that's when I became a producer. And uh, I started a few years ago um, doing online, just producing short, you know, animated uh, sketches. And then from there, I, you know, short films and then features. It's just, it really came, for me, producing came out of necessity. Yeah, um, yeah. In order to do the work that I want to do, I also have to be a producer. And it just so happens that I can do it. It's not my favorite thing, but I don't have a burning passion to be Jerry Bruckheimer. You know, but I know how to do it. I've been pretty good at it so far, so it's it's something that I I um, plan on to continue to do. Just if if nothing else, just so that um, I can do all of the other things. Right. That, that yeah. Just so I can write and you know and act, and David can direct, and we can be creative, and we can you know put make films that we are proud of that we uh want to make and producing oftentimes is a part of that equation uh for people like us for independent filmmakers you mm -hmm. just that's just something you have to do we had a, a guest on the show a while back her name is emily grace and mm -hmm. she's um she's got a couple kind of training products out there for actors like business and mm -hmm. marketing kind of products and her slogan is, uh, think like a producer, act for a living. Mm -hmm. And I nice. love that. I really nice. think it's just spot on. Um, and, I, you know, we talk about it a lot on the show. We, we do feel that in 2015 now, every actor really to have a leg up on the competition, you know, quote unquote competition, because we're all in the same boat. But to have a leg up in the marketplace, you've got to have some <clears throat> writing chops. You've got to have some directing chops. You've definitely got to have some producing chops. Mm -hmm. But the idea of what a producer does, as we were saying before, is also a moving target because it's like sometimes it's everything from like 
ordering the subway flatter mm -hmm. to signing the contracts to you know finalizing those shoot locations to getting the the uh, editing schedule like keeping mm -hmm. that on track and then sometimes it's literally just like overseeing the artwork and signing the piece of paper mm -hmm. and then you're done so it's everything it's it's everything yeah a producer really i mean i didn't say this i heard this somewhere i forget where but it really is the uh the most accurate description of a producer is a producer does everything he or she does not want to pay someone else to do. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. So it's a, it's a little bit of a control freak well, position. And it, it, yeah, and it's it's yeah. it's kind of a, a producer uh, is one of the few people who will stay with a project from the very beginning all the way up to the very end. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's it is you know, it's one of those positions where you dedicate a really good portion of your life and your time to this project because, you know, actors and everyone else, they come in, they do their piece, but a producer is with it until the bitter end. Right. Yeah, until, until the DVD the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Right on. So let's get back to your journey together a little bit because you guys found that this was a, a good working collaboration and you had started to kind of kick some ideas around and eventually the midnight monster which was a short film that i had mm -hmm. the privilege of working on with you guys that came to fruition and i know you you raised some money but you also put a lot of your own money into it and you leveraged some contacts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so let's talk about a little little bit about the inception of that project and how it turned from idea into short film with a little bit of money all the way into a feature film with what seems to me like a lot of money but i know in the in the film world it's like it was just it was it's, tight. it's 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 a modest budget for an independent feature, yeah, but you know yeah. we also didn't have no money, so we also you know it wasn't like. I was short. on I was on set. You guys had a, a, quite an operation going. I mean, it looked pretty awesome. Well, thank you. And I know you were able to kind of take temporary leave or maybe permanently from your day jobs to to make that film, and you were able to pay yourselves. So. Well, I never actually had a day job. That's the thing about me is that I was lucky enough that I've been an actor for long enough that I had accrued enough um, of an income that uh, after I came to the United States, I was able to put that toward real estate and really- That's just, right, we, yeah, that's just, right. You know, and, and I, I definitely, I consider myself lucky. I come from somewhat of a privileged background, just family-wise, you know, and, uh, and I had been working since I was younger. So after I came to uh, LA for college, you know, I bought a condo and then a couple of others and you know and the real estate at the time again i'm dating myself was really on the rise it was doing very very well so i was able to sell a couple of those and um and make some money that way and be a landlord for a few years and you know that kind of paid for my own living uh that way and then i got into producing the um the um the the online thing which also generated an income so i guess i'm just one of those those few people who never really held a day job and i hate to admit that about myself because you just I, I, alienated so I many think about, yeah i know i i must have i i think about that sometimes i'm like huh that's not normal is it but but at the same time i mean i love hearing stories like that because it's <laughs> because number one it's really smart i mean you got into some high leverage activities like you got into stuff where you could do a little bit of work but make a lot of business money people that's yeah. the thing my my family <clears throat> background i mean like my father was a is a, a businessman so i guess a lot some of that is just where I'm from, it's just kind of like who we are as people. Yeah. So a, a lot. I mean, that that wasn't me. I got lucky. Yeah. But anyway, so this project, well, we've always had the feature script. That was the first thing that we did, and it had all. And you know, and because that took so long, it took about a year and a half from inception to you know when we started shooting, we were able to continue to work on it and refine it to the point where we we were really happy with the script that we ultimately shot, but. The feature script was the first thing that we had produced, and we tried to shop it around a little bit, but ultimately, you know, we kept basically getting the same feedback, which is, well, it's good, but you guys really, you know, you're unproven. You're unproven. They they say that word a lot. Um, do you do you? I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you have no. literary agents? Do what? Do you have a literary agent or no. anybody no, that helps shop no. the script around? We okay. know some people. We have some connections. We have a lawyer. Uh, we mm -hmm. do not have, we still don't have uh, writing agents. Okay. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just through our friends and industry connections that we had. We were trying to get it to uh, some people who we thought 
would be interested in producing you know a, a script like this and it's a very low budget independent uh, script it always has been you know but we one of the one of the interesting turning points for us was we took it to one of the producers of the previous indie film that I had done the one with Doug uh, mm-hmm. called my name is Jerry we we took him the script asked him to take a look asked him you know uh, how do we get this thing made and uh, you know we shot my name is Jerry in the summer of 2008 and then we're sitting down with this producer at this point in you know the summer of 2013 yeah and in those intervening years i mean major changes financially you know within within the country in the industry and all these things and he he said to us he basically said well do either of you have a rich uncle because that's kind <laughs> of you know it literally came it, up it was a bit yeah. disheartening but at the yeah. same time he was being honest and that basically he's just basically saying look kid they just don't make movies anymore. Yeah, I mean, he, unless it's a you know big budget prequel, sequel, remake, or yeah. based on a book. And he and know? he was he's been very encouraging. So I I, I don't intend to paint him as mm-hmm. discouraging at all. But it just in his his he's honest, honest yeah. his honest assessment of the mm-hmm. situation was, uh, you know, for for a couple of young filmmakers starting off, you know, you've either got to make your credit card movie. You know the Kevin Smith with Clerks or uh, or Justin Lin with Better Luck Tomorrow. You make your credit card movie. You hope you sell it. And you hope you can pay off your credit card debt, uh, or you track down a, a long lost rich relative to pay for this thing because basically money outside is financing not, is what he said. Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone's. I think he's. I think his words were everyone's wallets are closed, hmm. and it's just the way things kind of are now. It's a hard. Yeah, the the industry. It, it is a lot harder. Like you know, I feel like 15 years ago the state of independent film is not the same. It used to be the model was you write something, you pitch it around, someone will see it and give you a chance and produce it because it it ultimately wouldn't cost that much money. You know, you write something low budget and chances of it getting made are pretty good if in fact it is good. And I'm not saying, oh, our script was brilliant, but <laughs> but I, I, I feel like it was marketable and the feedback we kept getting was, it's not that we don't like it, but we just don't have the money. Nobody does this anymore. Right. So right. that really was um, was what we kept hearing. So in the spirit of, and I do have the streak in me where if I really want something done and doing it myself was the only way to do it, then you know I generally would go, okay, well then what do we need to do? Mm-hmm. You know, how are we going to get this made? Because not making it not really an option. Really only because, like I mentioned before, I don't have another job. I don't have a day job. I don't know how to do anything else. This is the only yeah, thing Yeah, this I is your job. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is it. This is a great place this, to be. This, this is it for me. And um, it's not necessarily, I didn't necessarily even choose it for myself, but I just, I just don't know how to do anything else. I have actually no other marketable skill. So <laughs> I went, you know what? Um, how does, then, then it became, well, how do you get independent financing? Well, most of the uh, stories that we read on that was you produce a short film. You take, basically what we did was we took the opening of the feature, we reimagined it as a short film, and you produce that, you make that its its own thing to prove, first of all, that you could, in fact, make a movie, that you can, in fact, see something through from you know beginning to end, that you can put together the production that you can find actors and crew and you can shoot it and it's not going to look like crap and you can edit it and you know and put the whole thing together and have it be decent first of all prove yourself there and also you know most independent financiers are not going to read a script but they will watch you know 10 15 minutes sure. short yeah um if you make it good and interesting and and that's what we did we then took the kickstarter and I mean, as soon as we we decided to do the short, we were gonna put you know some of our own money in it, and you know the short we did for six thousand, so it's not a huge amount of money. Um, we both put money into it, and then we went to Kickstarter and we asked for another two grand um, from family and friends, and uh, you know we were able to raise that much. But the thing with Kickstarter is the trick is not to ask for too much. <laughs> I, I think because if you're asking for a lot, then most people are going to go, well, you're never going to make that anyway. So, you know, what's the point? But if you ask for just enough, if you are good about it and you, you, you say, well, first of all, you say, you know, 
here's how much I'm putting in, here's how much my partner's putting in, this is how much we have left, we really need this, help us out. And if it's a, and actually, if it's a goal that is, that people feel like you can actually hit that goal, then they're probably more inclined to help. Mm. So that's what we did. Um, and, uh, and we uh, pulled in a lot of favors, called in a lot of, um, you know, all of our friends and uh, basically got the location for free from a very good friend of ours who was out of town and said, you can use my garage. All we really needed was, you know, a garage to do that. Um, we had a very good friend who happened to be, and we were very, very lucky on this, happened to be a very good cinematographer um, who did the short for free because he was looking for a real piece. He also shot the feature, by the way. He's, he's very, very talented. And, uh, you know, he had his crew. We basically just pulled in every favor we had in town and put it together. We shot it over a weekend, over two days, and um, it was a lot of fun. It was also very, very hard. Those are long days, especially the second day, as you would recall. And we certainly put Trevor through the ringer. And uh, I just want to say on record, he is a very, very good sport. And any producers listening to this should also always hire Trevor. Because he will let you torture him and be very good natured about it. He doesn't mind getting punched, repeated, yeah. slapped repeatedly. Literally torture him. <clears throat> by a 330 pound man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really cool. You know, a lot comes up to me in what you were talking about, especially about the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like a lot of people default to that mm-hmm. right off the bat. And what yeah. I love that you guys did is first you said, how much, how much work could we possibly do on this thing before we go to ask people for money? Mm-hmm. So you you fleshed out the script. I, I went to the Kickstarter, thankfully, after I had been cast in it. Because if I had seen that before, I would have been in my head the whole time about the casting process. Because <laughs> you were talking about how important the character was to you personally and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I hope I do this justice. And um, and so you, you had all that, that stuff in place. And you had done as much work as you possibly could. So then, and then you called in as many favors as you could. You put your own money into it. And then you were like, and then you we've come that. this far. This is what we need to finish Help it. Was- Go that extra mile. Yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like I, I don't see that enough. I feel like well, I see a I lot of like people. It's about respect. If they see that you've already done this and you have your own stake in it, you're not just asking other people, you know, to help you out with this thing that you are yourself the most invested person. And I feel like that that creates like you know a, a proper kind of um, kind of a mentality and atmosphere for your project. You want to show whoever you're going to, because you are going to people for money. It's fundraising. To me, it's important to show them that however much I'm asking from you, I have 10 times as much, you know, stake put into it myself personally. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely not going to waste your money. I'm definitely taking it very seriously. To me, you know, if you're respectful, you do it that way, you know, you just might get better results. Kickstarter, yeah. I, and you know, I, I see so many projects being funded on Kickstarter and some of them are very well thought out and some of them, you know, have potential and some of them just feel like, you know, you obviously just did that first. Yeah. I, I saw, that hardly ever works. I saw a campaign not too long ago and it was, you know, a couple guys that were, you know, excited about writing something and they, they wrote a script and they showed some, you know, photos of their script and, mm. and they li- li- literally, it was like two guys sitting on the couch talking about how they wanted to make a movie. Like that was the script. Mm. And, and they were just like, so you want to do this? And we think we'll need about like 80,000 done. Oh gosh. And I just was like, they, they had put no additional effort besides saying, somebody give me money because I wrote something. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I felt kind of bad for them because I was like, they, they don't understand that what you, ha- what you've got to do is go as far as you possibly can mm-hmm. so that others kind of can get on board with that you want to ask for the icing you don't want to ask for the whole cake yeah oh yeah, yeah. that's that's a great nugget right there right <laughs> sound there. bite yeah i know <laughs> seriously hello guys welcome back to the bookends and we are. Is that that's it? It's a two part two part interview. We're bidding adieu to. Uh, no, we got we got we got one more. One more. Oh, good, good. And the the, the third part is the uh, is probably the the most kind of chock full, and it's also the longest. So more to look forward to. Ooh, juicy episode coming next week. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 
Love that. All right, man. Well, good. Looking forward to it and also looking forward to your pick of the week. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, my pick of the week is a movie called In a World. Have you heard of it? I have, yes, I have. I thought it was a documentary when I first uh, heard about it, and then someone explained to me that it was actually a narrative, and I did not know. Yeah, I, I, I also thought it was a documentary, because there is a documentary about voiceover artists, but this is actually a, and it's just an awesome, it's hilarious, it's extremely well done, it's an independent feature film about the sort of like voiceover industry. And uh, this woman named Blake Bell wrote and starred in it, and I think she directed it as well. And it is so well done and so fun, and she has a very bright future in front of her. She's beautiful, she's got a great voice uh, for, you know, as far as storytelling and things like that go. It was just a lot of fun, and it's available on uh, Netflix Instant. So if you have Netflix, I highly recommend this week you check out the movie In a World. It is, uh, it's a blast, and I loved it. Sweet. I, 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 it's been on, on the quote-unquote list for quite a while, so this will give me a little kick in the pants to go to go finally watch it. Cool, man. Your pick of the week is shit.com spelled strangely. <laughs> you as, know, as the internet I, tends to do. I didn't make fun of your pick of the week. No, I know. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like they stole that idea from Lyft, maybe, who probably stole it from somebody else. But that, that's like the thing to do on the internet now is like come up with a cutesy name and spell it weird and then you've got the name of your company. Yeah. Like yeah. I saw I saw one for like have somebody come pick up your laundry and do your laundry. It's called Washio. And I was like, I, I'm getting I'm I'm kinda over these like cutesy names. You know, add an R on the end of it or put a Y instead of an I and Oh it's man. Just, it's like a formula in Silicon Valley for how to name your startup, your internet startup. Dude, you should make that. Okay, you should make that company. You should make that app because that would be <laughs> that would be hilarious. Uh, yeah, Ship. Uh, it's actually an app. Uh, I, you know, they probably don't have it for Android. I'm sorry, people. Um, but it's an iOS app. Um, unfortunately, it's only available in three cities right now, which is Miami, uh, Los Angeles, and New York. And even then, the, the service area is kind of limited. But it's just the idea of it that I just love so much. I couldn't help but talk about it. So hopefully, they, you know, if more people use their service, they'll be able to, uh, quote-unquote, spread <laughs> like a virus. Um, so I apologize to our international listeners. But basically, th- what you can do with this app is you can take any object that you want to ship, take a picture of it, somebody comes to your house takes the items away, packs them up, and ships them for you, and you only pay $5 plus whatever the cost of shipping would be. Like the service itself, the service itself is five bucks. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I hope that's sustainable for them. It's incredible. Yeah, and and just talk about solving a, you know, like five bucks, you know, the time it would take me to go to the post office, you know, pack the thing up, wait in line, all that stuff. You just take a picture of something. Epic. Awesome, man. Right. Awesome. Ship.com, that's, that, that's ship with a Y, S-H-Y-P. As we talked uh, about. Very cool. <laughs> and then we also have a pick from a uh, longtime listener and patron, Una Love. That sends us a, a recommendation called pa- Patreon. Patreon? Patreon? It's probably um, Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Speaking, it's, of, it's a new, speaking of funny names for your startup. Uh, it's basically a new twist on crowdfunding. I'm not, I'm looking at the site right now and I've, heard of this website before um and i'm not sure what makes it different but so the tagline what, is be a patron of the art support and engage with the creators you love what what makes it different is that it's built for people who are doing ongoing projects as opposed to one single project so like people will use crowdfunding like kickstarter and indiegogo to crowd crowdsource the funding for say a, a film and then once the film's done it's done but for people like us, I would actually like to look into this for the podcast. For people like us, uh, bloggers, musicians, you know, people who do podcasts, uh, maybe uh, maybe a web series, a theater company, things like that. You have sort of on you're an ongoing process, an ongoing project, and so it doesn't those websites don't work uh-huh. as well for for you. So this allows people to donate. It's sort of like what we do with our patrons, which is why I think it's called Patreon. Um, it's it's sort of like our patron uh, system where people can donate X amount per month, I think, 
and I'm not sure the pay structure works, but like X amount per month, and then they can get incentives based on their level of contribution. Okay, awesome. That's that's great. That is something that we could definitely look into for the podcast because uh, that would ensure that we continue this thing every month um, rather than just kind of hoping that we can pay for everything. Um, which, you know, we, we, we can, but, you know, it'd be nice to have something like this uh, in play for us. How cool, man. Yeah. Great, uh, great pick. Thank you, uh, Una, for that. Yeah. Uh, our patron of the week is also a longtime listener and new patron. Her name's Christina Halstead. She's a 40-something actress, self-described 40-something actress and singer on a lifelong adventure of navigating the business of acting, the business of single motherhood, rock star and the business of everyday life. She's been performing, writing, producing, and directing in one form or another since she was a small child. She has a BFA in theater from Niagara University, and she's currently based in Arizona. She also hosts a podcast for actors. She says, lovingly inspired by inside acting. And I've heard this podcast and it's awesome. It's called living the dream acting, and you can find it on iTunes and it features artists living in all parts of the country who are trying to live their artistic dreams. You can find out more about Christina, her inspirations, and the podcast by going to livingthedreamacting.com. Definitely, definitely, definitely recommend checking out her podcast as well as everything she's up to. Christina is a very cool chick um, who's been uh, rooting for us for a long time. So thank you, Christina, for your support. And uh, Welcome aboard. Yeah, welcome aboard and looking forward to what's in the future. So Inside Acting Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Trevor Algott, and A.J. Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadala Dubarek is our marketing and web director. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. Cesar Garmino is our technical producer and edited and mixed today's episode. You can sign up for our free weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes over at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or pretty much wherever you go to get your podcast. And today's episode of Inside Acting was made possible in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for auditions, explore your character, and make stronger choices, guess what? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. And of course, episode 177 was also made possible by listeners like you. If you love Inside Acting and want to help keep the show going, sign up as a monthly patron and get cool perks like access to an exclusive online patron-only mastermind group that's coming soon. We're going to have homework. We're going to have accountability check-ins. It's going to be great. Uh, You'll also get a a shout-out on the show, the show's website, and in the newsletter. You'll get freebies and discounts on merchandise and other upcoming podcast offerings. All that and more. Just visit InsideActingPodcast.com and click on the Patron tab. I guess that's it for episode 177 of Inside Acting. Thank you for listening. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, that's Inside Acting, spelled I-N-S-Y-D-E. <laughs> <laughs>